Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of the Pound for Pound podcast. This is your host, Robert Silva. Before we begin, I want to say a heartful thanks to my boxing brother, my Puerto Rican brother, Carlos Toro, who uh, is taking a leave of absence from the podcast. So from the time being, I will be doing the show solo until Carlos decides to come back and join the show um until then good luck to carlos great dude uh when my son passed away three weeks ago he was one of the first after i announced on social media the unfortunate passing of my boy he was one of the first to reach out to me and ask if there's anything he could do for me i, I will always appreciate that carlos thank you very much now on to the new format of the program here on the fight game media podcast pound for pound podcast the new format part one i will review the weeks the weekends past fights and we had four big fights that i will be talking about in the first part of the program in the second part of the program we will be discussing my series of articles on the fightgamemedia.com website, my 45 greatest fights of the last 45 years. And we will start today with number 45, the Filipino Flash, Nonito Donaire. Now, on to Saturday, April 9th, 2022 boxing action. We started out early, early Saturday morning, 8 a.m. on the East Coast in New York City, as in Tokyo, Japan. Triple G, Gennady Golovkin, battled Ryota Murata in, for a unification of three of the WB, I mean, sorry, of the world middleweight titles. Now, I don't recognize alphabet titles. I don't give a goddamn about these crooked, mafia-tied, money-laundering, world boxing alphabet organizations. All I know is, right now, Triple G is the man at middleweight, and he proved again that he's the man in middleweight, even though at the age of 40, he has slipped badly. His defense is non-existent. Any guy with any type of skill can hit him. Murata is a decent fighter, not a great fighter. He's a decent fighter. He, probably the biggest attraction in Japanese boxing history. He won a gold medal. His TV is, is a TV ratings out there whenever he fights are astronomical, but he's, in my opinion, he's a run-of-the-mill middleweight. He's nothing special. And even though he's nothing special, for the first five rounds, he gave Triple G hell. He hit Triple G at will. And ladies and gentlemen, Triple G cannot defend himself. Yes, he's got a great jab. Yes, he's got punching power that'll break you down like he did Murata, with Murata. But a skilled elite boxer will box his ears off. And in the third fight, if it happens with Canelo Alvarez in September, 
Canelo will give Triple G the beating of his lifetime. Canelo's a tremendous counterpuncher. Canelo's the best body puncher in the sport today, bar none. Canelo will batter Triple G. And like my beloved late father, the man who taught me the game, always told me he was always right. When a fighter is past his prime, the worst type of beating that, that he could sustain that will do the most damage to his brain is taking unnecessary punishment. Not the one-punch knockout variety. Triple G has such a granite chin that that's his best type of defense is that he will take so much punishment against Canelo that he will never be the same. And that's what will happen if they fight again September of this year, depending on whether or not Canelo beats uh, Dimitri Bavol in three weeks. And we will see, because that's a tough fight. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when that fight occurs. Now, on to the evening's fights. First, we will talk about the fight of the weekend. A tremendous war between Sebastian Fundora and Erickson Lubin. Great fight, great fight, great fight. Uh, first round, Lubin boxed brilliantly, but beginning with round two, Fundora was able to walk him down. He dropped uh, Lubin in the, in the second round with a beautifully timed uppercut. Uh, it looked like it was all but over for Lubin, but in the seventh round, he dropped Fundora. But rounds eight and nine, Fundura recovered and gave Lubin a tremendous beating, uh, disfigured his face. Smart move by Kevin Cunningham to throw in a towel after round nine, even though Lubin was ahead on the scorecards. Lubin was about to get damaged. He might have gotten damaged that he could never come back from. He was going to get more damage. Fundura is a fun fighter, no pun intended. But he also suffers from the same um, mistakes and <laughs> that can, um, Triple, G, Triple G has and makes. His defense is atrocious. He can't guard a punch to save his life. Yes, he's six foot five, six foot six, and he dwarfs every uh, junior middleweight, super welterweight on the planet, but he cannot guard any punches. A master counterpuncher will eat him for lunch. The boxing media and boxing fans out there are in love with Fedora. Oh, he's a fun fighter. Oh, he's what people pay to see. His career will be short-lived, so he better make the money right now. Because in two or three years, he will be damaged goods because he doesn't defend anything. And a tremendous puncher who's a tremendous boxer with tremendous counterpunching ability will eat him for lunch. I called it here. All right, I'm a connoisseur of technical masters. I, I guys like Fundora and Triple G now, uh, uh, Arturo Gatti in the past, those guys that use their chin as their main form of defense. Nah, that doesn't impress me. Okay, now uh, speaking of guys who are plotting no defense. And looking to knock y'all one shot. We had the return of Ryan Garcia as he took on Emmanuel Tago. And uh Tago should have should have uh just 
hit go and never showed up. All he tried to do was run, and he ran and he ran. And Garcia doesn't know how to cut go, cut off the ring. He followed to go around, dominated the fight, and finally knocked out to go in the tenth round. To go just wanted to survive. Uh, I, the only thing that this fight proved to me was Garcia is in love with his punching power. Doesn't know how to defend any time because to go hit him when he wanted to, when he attempted to throw punches, which was rare. Ryan Garcia will be battered into oblivion by the likes of Devin Haney or Shakur Stevenson, especially Shakur. Devin, he might have a shot because Devin foolishly tries to slug with you from time to time. But if Devin, if but if Devin sticks to his boxing prowess, to his boxing acumen. Garcia has no shot in the world. He has no shot in the world against Shakur because Shakur will do to him what he did to Jamel Herring. Just counter him all night, make him miss, give him angles. Ryan Garcia is in deep trouble the minute he steps in against the likes of Devin Haney, Shakur Stevenson, or Javante Tank Davis, regardless of the huge height differential that Garcia would have over Javante Tank Davis. Now on to the performance of the week. And that, ladies and gentlemen, goes to Tony Superbad Harrison. He fought beautifully. Uh, my father had a pet peeve when it came to boxing. He hated fighters that used, used wasted movement or unnecessary movement, like a Hector Camacho uh after he uh, almost lost Edwin Rosario, where he would move for no reason, run for no reason. Well, Tony Harrison did not do that Saturday night against Sergio Garcia. No, his movement was beautiful. It was to get away from, from Garcia's uh, wild, uh, aggressive ways, counter him beautifully with his right cross, and jab all night. Oh, and by the way, I got one of my own pet peeves. For those who have been listening to the 16 months that Carlos and I have done this podcast, I am sick and tired of these god-awful boxing announcers not knowing the difference between a hook and a jab. Fundura and Fundura and Lubin are softballs. Mauro Ronaldo throughout the entire fight kept calling their left their straight left hands because they're softballs, a straight left hand is a left cross. He kept calling them left hooks. Mauro, you're a fucking goof. Learn the difference between a hook and a cross. You get paid plenty of money, but you and Todd Grisham at the zone do not know the difference between a hook and a cross, which is goddamn criminal. Jim Lampley got a lot of criticism. But one thing Jim Lampley never did was call a right cross a right hook. Right? He never called a left hook a left cross. He got the punches right. God damn it, if you don't know anything, know the proper uh usage of the terms hook and cross. Now, I digress. Back to the fight. Tony Harrison looked beautiful. It was the best Harrison's look since the second Charlo fight that he unfortunately lost late when he got caught and stopped. Uh I would love to see Tony Harrison fight Fundura. 
he would give Fendura hell. He'd give him angles. He wouldn't he wouldn't try to slug it out. He would box. Tony Harrison made Detroit proud Saturday night. He made the memory of Emmanuel Stewart proud. He made his family proud. Uh continued continued success for Tony Harrison, the one super welterweight who has fought everybody. Put him in the ring with Fedora. See what happens. Now, on to the second part of the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a series on FightGameMedia.com called The 45 Greatest Fighters of the Last 45 Years. A series of articles that I've written for the last, Lord, man, almost well, I've, I've, I've just finished writing my 30th article, the number 16 fighter of the last 45 years. So that right there entails some six to eight months I've been doing this series. And I started with my number 45, the Filipino Flash, Nonito Donaire. Nonito is one of the five greatest Filipino fighters of all time. If you say he's the second after Manny Pacquiao, I won't argue. There's been a lot of great Filipino fight fighters. Flash Lord. Flash Lord, Nonino Donaire, Donnie Nietes. They're definitely in my top five. Uh, you could make an argument that Nonito is above Donnie Nietes and Flash Lord. As far as his career goes and when it started, Nonito was born in the Philippines and his father. His father took him and the family to America. And uh, that's where his career began, in America. And um, it, it was crazy. He lost his second pro fight to a nondescript fighter by the name of Sanchez. Uh, this guy was a, was a nondescript fighter. It, 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 was, it was shocking. It was shocking. But Nonino, after losing his second pro fight to Sanchez, he would win 16 consecutive fights before getting his shot at the IBF flyweight title held by the powerful softball slugger Vic Darshinian. Darshinian was a fan favorite, um, and he was considered unbeatable. He was destroying everybody in the division. I thought Donaire had a chance to outbox Darshinian because Darshinian is a lot like Ryan Garcia and Sebastian Fundura. He doesn't have any real head movement. He comes forward and he tries to beat you with brutality. Darshinian had almost uh, comatized Nonito's older brother Glenn so this fight was really uh, uh, Donaire's attempt and not only revenge but to show the world that he was for real Nonito thoroughly outboxed Arshinian and this fight occurred on July 7th 2007 uh, Donaire was only 24 years old he thoroughly outboxed Arshinian it was a one-sided boxing lesson until the Armenian world champion Darchinian walked into a picture-perfect left hook by Donaire that sent him sprawling and completely out. Fifth-round knockout, 
And now the Filipino flash, Nonino Donaire, was in the beginning of one of the greatest runs of any fighter under 130 pounds in the history of boxing. Donaire, in the next six years, would win 13 consecutive fights with a combination of speed and power that I had not seen since a prime late mid to late 1990s Roy Jones. Donaire looked damn near invincible as he acquired world title bouts at 115, 118, and 122 pounds. But unfortunately, during this iconic run, Donaire went away from his incredible boxing skills. Donaire, when he beat Darchinian, had a beautiful jab, was a tremendous counterpuncher. Uh, defensively, he was gifted. He fell, unfortunately, he fell in love with his power. And he began to look for that one-punch knockout. This cost him dearly when on April 13th, 2013, Cuban master Guillermo Rigondeaux, in a fight that I attended at New York's historic Radio City Music Hall, Rigondeaux completely undressed Donaire by outboxing the Filipino great over 12 rounds to end his reign at 122 pounds. 18 months later, after Donaire had captured the WBA featherweight title, he was almost comatose by the Jamaican Nicholas Waters when Waters brutally knocked him out in the fifth round. One thing about Nonito, he told it like it was. Being interviewed after the fight, he told the HBO audience that he got knocked the fuck out. That Walters was the better fighter that night and Walters decapitated him. Donaire then went on a career slump. Now, when he lost uh when he lost to Nicholas Waters, Donaire at the time was 32 years old. And 32 years old for those who don't understand, for fighters under 130 pounds, this fight occurred at 126, is considered a death sentence. It's considered not the beginning of the end, but the end. And Donaire began to look like an old man because he would be outclassed in 2017 and 2018, first to Jesse Magdaleno at 122 pounds, and then to Carl Frampton at 126 pounds. The 35-year-old Nunino Donaire looked completely washed up. This is when he made a calculated risk in order to revive his career, he went back down to 118 pounds. Uh, he had never lost at Bantamweight 118 pounds. So he was hoping that by going back down to 118, which is tough to do at 35, it's tough to do, it's tough to go down from 126 to 118 at 25. It's even more difficult at 35, damn near impossible. But Nonito put the, put the work in. And he was able to move down to 118. And when he moved down to 118, he entered the World Boxing Super Series Bantamweight Tournament. In his very first fight back at 118 pounds, on November 3rd, 2018, Donaire stopped the reigning WBA Bantamweight champion Ryan Burnett in four rounds. And once again, he was a world champion. And Burnett was a huge favorite because everybody, including myself, felt Donaire was done. In his next fight, the semifinals of the World Boxing Super Series Bantamweight Tournament, 
he landed, Donaire landed his signature left hook against Stephen Young that, li- that literally paralyzed the young American fighter. The stage was now set for the finals of the tournament. Donaire would face the 26-year-old Japanese superstar, Nayo Inoue, in Inoue's Japanese homeland. Nine days before his 37th birthday, Donaire put on one of the greatest performances ever by a losing fighter in a major title fight. It was one of the greatest technical fights ever displayed in a boxing ring by both combatants. I would put this on the level, a level above. No, I'm not going to say a level above because all three, these, in my opinion, are the three greatest technical master fights between two fighters that gave the crowd enormous excitement from a combination of technical mastery and brutal punching power. That is the first Mike McCollum, James Tony fight from December of 1991 and the first Leonard Hearns fight from September, 1981. The Nonito Donaire Nayoa Inoue fight is on that level was on that level. Donaire miraculously survived an 11th round knockdown before losing the decision, the tournament final, and his title to the Japanese monster. Donaire more than, Donaire more than held his own against a much younger Noe to the point where he broke Noe's nose and orbital bone. An incredible fight, and for all intents and purposes, Donaire now is 37. I figured time for him to retire. No, he did not retire. He continued to fight and since then, he's again won a world title, destroying in the fourth round Nordin Ubali, brutally knocking him out in the fourth round. And recently he destroyed Gabayo in the fourth round. And now the scene is set June 7th, a 39-and-a-half-year-old Nonito Donaire will be fighting the guy I consider the best fighter in the world, the greatest Japanese fighter of all time, a fighter that I will be talking about later in the series, the monster Nayoa Inoue in Japan, June 7th this year, one of the most anticipated fights of the next couple of months. Um, I don't think Donaire, at his age, can duplicate the success never mind the success in the first fight never mind defeating Inoue who right now is on a level above anybody in the sport a lot of people out there claim Canelo's the best fighter in the world yeah he has the best resume but Inoue in my opinion is the best fighter in the world he combines the best offensive weaponry I've seen since a Felix Trinidad and before him a Thomas Hearns. Inoue is the closest thing I've seen to Thomas Hearns since Thomas Hearns. Why? Shotgun of a left jab, the best jab in the sport. A brutal right cross, the best right cross in the sport. A phenomenal body puncher. Only Canelo I put above Inoue as far as the best body puncher in the sport. He's got every punch, every offensive weapon. Everything comes off that shotgun jab. And Donaire, even though he's looked incredible, including the first fight with 
uh, Inouye since he moved back down to 118. At almost 40 years old, he's not going to be able to sustain the same type of offense he did in the first fight against Inouye, who will now box more and not going to not get into more of a slugfest with Donaire because he knows you know he knows that in order to beat Donaire he's got to do like he did in the second half of the fight do everything off that jab and the rest of his punching powers and punch offensive weaponry will come into effect ladies and gentlemen I thank you for joining me this will be a weekly podcast for those that want to hear the uh the first two upsets of all the greatest upsets of all time it's on the fight game podcast patreon page subscribe i believe it's only five dollars a month not only do you get uh the special content i'm doing this year with the the greatest upsets in boxing history but you get the best extensive coverage of mixed martial arts and professional wrestling the professional wrestling coverage and podcast on the fight game media patreon page is even greater than what you hear on the fight game media podcast free feed and the fight game media.com feed where the same people that do these podcasts write great articles um the leaders of of, of the uh fight game media uh, Patreon and webs and media uh, website, Patreon page and website. Justin Nipper and Garrett Gonzalez. Not only are they great writers, they're two of the greatest podcasters on the planet. Uh, Justin and Fumi Saido do a phenomenal, phenomenal write this down series on Japanese wrestling that is second to none. Uh. You've got great coverage of Impact, AEW, WWE, New Japan, you name it, uh, GCW. Whatever you're a fan of, they cover it. So for those who are hardcore wrestling fans, hardcore mixed martial arts fans, because not only do they cover UFC, they cover Bellator, Bloodsport. They cover, if, if there is a backyard wrestling event, in the middle of Salt Lake City, Utah, one of these uh, brothers and sisters or sisters will be either writing an article about it or covering it on the podcast, both on the free feed and the Patreon feed. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to uh, catch me on the socials, I'm on Twitter, Robert Silva 5768 and of course, FightGameMedia.com. My not only do you, do I have my forty five greatest fighters of the last forty five years series, I have series on every divi- my top five greatest fighters in every division, from super bantamweight to light heavyweight. Um, once I'm finished with the forty five greatest fighters of the last forty five years, I'll begin discussing my greatest cruiserweights, greatest heavyweights, top five in articles, and so forth. Ladies and gentlemen. Talk to you great people next week.